I want to welcome you today, especially if you are a guest from out of town, and uh, if you have, uh, by virtue of the weather, will be a guest in town for an extra day or two. Sorry about that, but uh, it is Kansas. You knew what you were in for when you came here. Uh, we hope that you uh, have enjoyed your stay and, and have found Northside to be a warm and hospitable place, um, and hope that you will join us again at your next opportunity to do so. The original Thanksgiving, uh, the first one, um, is sort of a picture we have in our minds, and it was intended to be a holiday of gratitude, a, a day of, of giving thanks to God. The, the first original proclamation was given by George Washington in 1789, and he said specifically in there, That it was to be a day observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts uh, the many and signal favors of Almighty God. It's a powerful picture. Of course, the picture that you're looking at was not the, the Thanksgiving that George Washington proclaimed, obviously. But this holiday, this day, was a day when we as Americans realized our blessings. Now, uh, there are lots of countries in the world, many of them have blessings. We're not the only ones that have those. But this was, in our culture, in our heritage, something that was within our people that said, hey, in addition to receiving the blessings, in addition to acknowledging the blessings, may we acknowledge and give praise to the blesser and not just revel in the blessings. We, we may have slipped a little, just a tiny bit from the original intent of the holiday. Um, most of you probably spent Thursday uh, with your family in some form or fashion, uh, gathered around a table or maybe with uh, TV trays or food in your lap or however you did it. Uh, maybe you had uh, all of the nice china and the silverware and all of that. Maybe you just had paper plates and plastic spoons and and forks and all of that, and that's fine. Everybody has their own family traditions and their own things that they do. Perhaps you turn on the television, watch a little bit of football. Uh, maybe that's something that your family does, or maybe you gather around the table and play games. Those things are fine. It's part of uh, not just uh, acknowledging the blessings of the, the food and the, the great ways we're blessed, but the people that God blesses us in our lives, and uh, the world that we live in is very nice. And then along about, you know, one o'clock, now is when all the stores open. And instantly we move from being grateful and thankful of all of our blessings and immediately are, are struck with the thought that I don't have enough. And that what I have is surely not the nicest, newest model. And I need to get stuff for some more people uh, so that they will have enough because they don't have enough either. Uh, when when Thanksgiving Thursday morphed into Black Friday, we, we, we lost something. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand. I love Thanksgiving. I love the traditions of it. You know, is, is there anything wrong with meeting with family and friends around the table? No. Anything wrong with watching a little football? No. Uh, is, is Black Friday really such an absolute nightmare and a sin? Yes, probably. Uh, it, it's it's sort of in the back of your Bible somewhere. Thou shalt not go to Best Buy at 2 a.m. or something. I don't know. That's the message version. The When we think about the reason the world immediately rushes, almost just rushes by Thanksgiving without a thought, 
it draws a clear distinction between the way the world is and the way that God's people are supposed to be. I mean, I mean, as soon as Thanksgiving is done, the, the candy's on sale for half off. Uh, the Christmas decorations go up. I mean, there's hardly an area mention of, of Thanksgiving except maybe uh, some specials on turkey here and there. But but it, it's it's the retail mindset, and and it gets us just moving from getting, getting, getting to more getting, getting, getting. And so this morning, I, a little post Thanksgiving sermon. I want to talk about. I want to think about what God says about gratitude. We're going to look at a few verses this morning, and I hope you'll join me. The first thing, the first thing we need to understand, and I'm speaking now to believers, to God-fearing people, uh, to Christians, to followers of the way, is that our gratitude is to be something that's deeply ingrained within us. Uh, nothing wrong with celebrating Thanksgiving. We all did that this week, but but that's just one day of 365. For the Christian. Uh, gratitude is a way of life. It's a way of living. It's, it's a manner of our uh, walk in this world. Uh, people who have been transformed by grace practice gratitude. And we see reasons to be thankful and gracious in all of the seasons of life. When I was, um, well, basically from age 6 to you know, age 13... One of my favorite places to be in the world was at my grandpa Levering's. Grandma and grandpa had a, a, a farm out in Douglas, and it was a house that grandpa had built. He had built onto the house. He built the garage onto the house. The garage was grandpa's shop. Grandpa was a great builder. He knew how to construct most anything, and he built a lot of the furniture within the house. And grandpa was just an amazing guy, and I loved being out in his, on his turf. And he, he just showed me things about working with wood, and I can still see the sawdust uh, just covering, covering the hairs on his arms and hands. I can smell the smell of varnish uh, and, and stain that he liked to hand rub in because he thought it, was, it, it looked better when it was done by hand than when we just applied it with some sort of applic- applicator. Grandpa had a way of doing things that he showed me and he shared with me. And one of the cool things that I learned out in the shop after being out there for many years is that Grandpa could just... See, well, to, to describe this quality, I have to describe the shop. So it, it's this two-car garage. And to go out in the shop meant you had to back both of the cars out and then shut the garage door. And at the far end of the garage was Grandpa's lumber pile. And it was these shelves he had stacked from, from floor to ceiling and just all of this manner of wood that he had amassed for different projects and different things. Now, to me, it just looked like a giant pile of wood, but Grandpa had this amazing ability to just identify a wood by its grain pattern. He could just, I could just pull out, Grandpa, what's this? He'd say, that's cherry. I'd say, well, I'll pull out this little piece down here. What's that? Well, that's ash. What about this over here? Well, that's pine. Now, as I've grown older, I realize that woods have certain characteristics, but there are, there are certain woods I'm not sure. Is that maple? or I, I, I don't know. But Grandpa, Grandpa knew the wood by the grain pattern, by the way it looked. Gratitude, you understand, is supposed to be within the grain pattern of you and I. It's, it's within our DNA. It's how we are to be. And it's not just a one-day-a-year kind of thing. It's a, it's a way of living. A Christian who's gripped by grace reflects gratitude in nearly everything that they do and in every way that they live in every day that they have gratitude overflows out of them uh you're looking at me like i should give you a bible verse now so i I will i'm glad that you asked ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 is one of many verses on gratitude ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 the apostle paul 
wrote this to the church at Ephesus. Always, always, always. It's just in there once, but that's for emphasis. That's a speaking trick. You repeat it and they, they remember. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a gratitude within the grain. It means that when you're a follower of Jesus, when, you, when you're doing what, when you're living as he called you to live, there's gratitude always, not just when you get what you want. Not just when everything goes well, not just when you get the promotion, not just when you, you have good health, but gratitude in all things. When hardships come, when trials come, when health problems arise, we still exhibit gratitude in all that we do. And, and when we do this, something, something happens within us. Now, you're saying, well, another verse would be good here. And I say, okay, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians 3:15. Just a couple of books over. The the, the scripture says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Just since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with Gratitude in your hearts to God. You see, when when gratitude's in the grain, it reflects how you live. It reflects how you worship, the attitude with which you worship. You know, when a person is gripped by grace and gratitude is overflowing, they don't sit back and go, you know, it's a little colder than I'd like in this auditorium this morning. You know, I really wish they had somebody who get on, who find a thermostat and get it to the perfect temperature. Uh, it's really bothering me right now. You know, a person gripped by gratitude doesn't look up here and go, "Man, the stage is only half full. I brought at least three carloads myself. What are all these ingrates doing?" No, a person gripped by gratitude that it's overflowing from their life. It's in, ingrained within them. Worships with a sense of gratitude, not about what we do, but about what God is doing and has done through us. It changes everything when gratitude is a part of your grain. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, the verse I I read to you this morning as we began. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful Now think about this for just a second. In in our world, I can't think of too many kingdoms or even nations that are truly unshakable. I I mean, even in this country, which has stable foundations and and God in the roots and all of that. I mean, sometimes we have an election and and, and we go, you know, not sure about this. Not sure which way this is going to go. The stock market goes, eh, not sure. See, See, in this world, it's really hard to understand kingdoms that are unshakable because even, even the, the, the mighty, even the world powers, even the, the dominant powers of the day, the, the kingdom of Rome is, is no more. And yet there was a time and an age when they could not imagine life without the world of Rome. You understand? Every kingdom in this world is shakable. Every kingdom in this world eventually will come to an end. 
But we, as God's people, are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. I'm sorry, you didn't hear that. We, as God's people, are receiving a kingdom that is not shakable. Oh, come on now, let's try it. We, as God's people, are receiving an unshakable kingdom. That there is nothing, I'm talking about nothing, in this world that can shake that kingdom. And when we understand we're receiving that kingdom, it put it this way. When your eyes are on heaven, it keeps things on earth in perspective. You don't have to worry because you're receiving that which is unshakable. And so, let us worship acceptably with holy fear and awe. Sometimes, uh, you know, you go through the four-year and people say, how are you? And I like to repeat the Dave Ramseyism, and I don't know if it's Dave Ramsey's thing or not, but it's where I heard it from, and he says, better than I deserve. And you'd be surprised the number of reactions I get from that. But when you think about it, especially when we talk, talk about grace, all of us are but truly better than we deserve because of Jesus. I mean, because if, if I wanted God's justice, then I deserve hell. And, and if, if I were to receive God's mercy, I wouldn't receive hell. But God didn't just have mercy and thankfully didn't show us justice. He gave us grace. And that I have the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the spirit which lives within me, receiving an unshakable kingdom. Do you understand that when you're in Jesus Christ, you are better than you deserve? May we understand No matter what comes at you, this week, this month, this year, the year to come, what's come at you this past year, if you are in Jesus Christ, you've received the forgiveness of your sins. Your hardships are just temporary, that they are achieving something that's of an eternal nature, that you are not alone, by the way. Now listen, as a church family, we've seen some people face some hard things in the past couple of weeks. Some real hard things. But you know, even in that moment, both of these families reiterated the fact that it is so good to have a church family to walk with you through times like these. It's part of the unshakable kingdom. That you're not alone. And you are are guaranteed victory in Jesus Christ. You are guaranteed. And so, may we be transformed... In our mindset, when people ask how we're doing, uh, Justin and Cindy, you know, you ask them, Justin and Cindy, if you ask them how they're doing, their reply is, I'm blessed. Okay. Now, we need to understand that does not mean in the Abraham household, life is always perfect. Can I get an amen from that, Justin? Are there hard times sometimes? There absolutely are. But see, Justin and Cindy have a perspective that's of an eternal nature and not an earthly nature. It means that no matter what happens, they have perspective. They're blessed. What we're talking about today is really what we've been talking about all year. Now, I know this is post-Thanksgiving. I know kids are still out of school. I know you're not in the mood for math, but bear with me for just a minute, okay? If we think about what we've been talking about, when grace... When grace takes hold, 
And, and it takes hold of your attitude. It's reflected in gratitude. If you will let grace take hold of your attitude, it will be reflected in gratitude. It's what we've been talking about all year, this idea of grace, and not just the receiving of grace, but overflowing with grace. When that reflects in your attitude, that's an attitude of grace, or we call that gratitude. But the second point, grace is not just an inward quality. Okay, It's a quality that's to be lived out. Thanksgiving is really should be, for us, a manner of thanksgiving. May we understand that this is not a sermon that's just a little too late. This is a reminder that what you celebrated Thursday is to be ingrained and overflowing and pouring out every Thursday for the next 52 Thursdays to continue letting that pour out of your life. Gratitude isn't just isn't just for a season. There's a reason for our gratitude. And the reason we have, of course, is it's in Christ. Thanksgiving is not just a day. It's a way. It's a manner of how we walk. So, may we think about it like this. Let me ask you this challenging question. How have you been showing your gratitude and your graciousness and your thankfulness has that overflowed any? Have, have any of people in need experienced your grace and your gratitude this season? Are there any students who will receive a warm coat or a, a box full of gifts from people that they don't know simply for the reason that they've been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ? That's what it, I mean, I don't just bring up those projects to say, Hey, look at us. Those are opportunities to pour out and overflow and reflect the goodness and grace of God. So we've got to live it. You say, you've been talking too long here. Give me a verse from the word. Okay, glad you asked. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. That's not the verse that I'm going to read. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do... Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. His, did, you, did you note that there? Whatever you do. Okay? I, I want you to live gracious lives. I want you to put grace into practice as you give you opportunities to do that. But may you live out grace and gratitude and thankfulness on the job. With your family, with your neighbors, gratitude comes out in the people that you're surrounded. He says, whatever you do. I'm going to give you a challenge this morning for the car ride home. As you're gripping, you know, the steering wheel with a death grip and trying to hold on to keep it between the ditches. I want to challenge you for the next day to let every word you speak be one of gratefulness and thanksgiving. And kids, if your parents, you can call them on this, but they can call you on it. Okay? And if they mess up, they owe you Chick-fil-A. Okay? But likewise, if you mess up, if you're complaining and griping, you know, get out that debit card because you're going to Chick-fil-A too. You're going to get it for them. 
But the 24-hour challenge of letting gratitude and graciousness and thankfulness affect how you talk. Now we can have the verse that was read for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 16 through 18. A good three-point sermon. Rejoice always. Pray continually or pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And sometimes you may have experienced that thought, or maybe you've heard someone express this. I really wish I knew the will of God for my life. I really wish I could just know it. And I'm telling you this morning, this is the will of God for you. Ready? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. In fact, Paul's so clear, he says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That you be grateful, that you be thankful, that you rejoice, that you be prayerful, that you keep your conversation going with God, and that you show thanks and give thanks to God in all circumstances. And so as you face the next 24 hours, I want to challenge you to have the perspective of being grateful no matter the circumstances. Yeah, as an example, this morning I got up. And I saw the weather report. I thought, ugh. And then I, I, then I, you know, it was during class time, and I was prepping for the sermon. And I look out my window, and it's sleeting, and it's snowing. I'm like, oh, this is not good. I mean, I have a word today. I have a great sermon prepared. Yeah, two thirds of them are gonna hear it. See, that's that's a negative aspect. That's negative thinking. But then I think, as I'm sitting there, no. I'm thankful for the two-thirds, three-fourths of you that braved the treacherous conditions, came out, and are listening to the word now, and that I know in the next 24 hours will be more gracious people, and everyone that you're around, your neighbors, your friends, the person at the grocery store, will be seeing gratitude and graciousness reflected in your life. It's a mind shift that has to occur from self-centered to God-centered. And when it becomes about him and not about you, gratitude always overflows. Because when you reflect all that God's done in times past and today, it can leave you with nothing but graciousness in your heart. It's not only God's will that you do these things, that you pray and rejoice and give thanks It's God's will that you grow in how you practice those things. It's God's will that you grow in gratitude. Think about this. Think about this. With your prayer life. Does your prayer life look like this? Is it continually? Please, God, God, do this. God, please do that. God, God, can you make this happen? God, I really need you to come through in this way. Could we make the 24-hour challenge a challenge that when you pray... And I realize there's times for supplication. I'm not, I'm not admonishing you for that. I'm saying, can we focus in prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving to God for all his great and manifold blessings, for all the many ways in which he has worked in our lives? It's easy to forget. It's easy to take those things for granted. Let's fill the gratitude box in heaven somewhere and just pour out to God 
our gratefulness for what he's done. Is Thanksgiving for you about Thanksgiving or is it more about Thanksgiving? Is it just about what you need from God or or is it possibly a lesson in maybe we could transform our attitude towards God? Uh, One of the speakers Wednesday night said, you know, it's just like how we might be with our own children. How would you feel if your own children always and only ever talked to you whenever they needed something? Now, as parents, moms and dads, even grandparents and so forth, they, can, they want to give good gifts to their children. But, but what was it like if they only, that was the only time they talked to you was when they needed something? And the only time that they came to you and seemed to be interested in a relationship was when you could do something for them. But what would it be like with those same children or grandchildren if every time they saw you they just overflowed with thankfulness, with gratitude? What does it do to your heart? Doesn't it make you want to give them more blessings? Doesn't it make you want to just let them know how special they are to you and how value, how much you value them? Obviously. Now, God's perspective is much greater than ours. I, I understand it's an imperfect comparison. But here you go. Trevor, wake up. Trevor. Trevor. Hey, good morning. So when you are this, this, these 24 hours, I want you to try this. Instead of just trying to catch your parents when they're being ungrateful or they're complaining, I want you to also practice this. Just between you and me. Thank your parents for everything that they do. I mean, when you go to the sink and you get some hot water, thank them for paying the bill. If you're going to school, thank them for the school supplies. Thank them for nagging you about your homework. If they nag you about your friends, thank them for doing that. They tell you you can't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, thank them for doing that. If you begin to thank them verbally and often, something's going to change with your relationship. Now, I'm not asking you to be obnoxious about it. I want you to be sincere. But you understand that sometimes you can become totally focused on what you want and spend no time giving your parents gratitude for all that they've given you. So, may we be thankful. Okay, See, I mean, you know, sometimes you come to a sermon and you're like, man, I didn't get anything out of it. And some of you, get, you leave a sermon and you're like, man, I got a great nap out of that. That's awesome. It's perspective. May we fill our hearts and our mouths with gratitude in all that we do. Not just toward our parents, but also toward God. Okay. Let's wrap this up by giving you two things to do, okay? Two simple things. Number one, praise God in all things, in the good and in the grim. Give God praise in all that you do. Um, Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is a a powerful lesson, and it was sort of at a a point with a a parent-child moment, okay? With God and God's people, and they are getting ready to take hold of the promises that God had given them. And it's kind of this, it's this 
talk from a father to his children about what he's about to give them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 10. It's a long section, so hang in there. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. There's a thought right there. I mean, just what if we started praying thanks to God after we were full? And and physically realizing the many manifold blessings. Keep going. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had neither had never known, to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but... Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I will testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So what does he what does he call them to obey here? What's the obedience? He says, listen, you have to remember. You have to remember what God has done and obey what God has said. So may we praise God in all things. And may we look around, whether it's our stock portfolio, our job, our homes, our the people in our lives, and may we praise God for that. This morning, just for a second, I I, I want to do that. I I want you to to put your phone away and even put your Bible away. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And as you do that, I want you to just pray to God a prayer of thanksgiving for what he has done. For the many blessings that he's given you. Let's pray together. Father, as we think of these blessings, hear them and hear our hearts speaking to you, not with an entitled spirit, not with a demanding spirit, but with a spirit of humility and gratitude for what you have given to us. Hear these prayers, Father. Lord, I know we have not touched the hem of the garment. We have not even begun to list all the many ways you have blessed us. But for those things that we did think of, for those blessings that we were reminded of, Father, we praise you. We praise you as the creator of heaven and earth. And, and Father, we are thankful for the blessings 
but we are in love with the blesser. And Father, if we had nothing, if all were removed from us and we still had you, that's all we would need. And you are so good, Father, that not only do you give us you, but you overflow with the blessings from you. We praise you, Father. We thank you. And we love you. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. May we not just thank God, praise God for all things, but may we thank him no matter what. May we thank God more than we ask for God. May we... Understand, as Psalm 118 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. God made it. I mean, think of your worst day. It's still a gift from God because he made that day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Your best day is a gift from God because he made it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. May his praise come from our mouths and our hearts. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He showed the fullness of his goodness and his steadfast love love to all of us in Jesus. And if this morning you do not know Jesus... Well, I'm going to give you one more reason to praise God because of what he's done through his son. May we not forget that greatest of all blessings and may we know that he loves us deeply. He did not come to condemn the world, but he came to deliver the world. And if you don't know him uh, this morning, we'd love for you to get to know him and to begin that journey with him in Jesus Christ. If you have any need this morning to come to Christ, to repent of sin, to turn to him, to follow him, to be baptized and begin that journey. Or if you've been following him, but you have been overwhelmed with a a spirit of ingratitude, ungratefulness, entitlement and selfishness. uh, Maybe you need to repent of that this morning. Whatever need you might have, uh, join us down front and we'll be glad to help you in any way as together we stand and sing.